thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. I'm Camille Diaz, and if you are sick and tired of setting goals and not achieving them, jump on over to my website, go.optimized.zone. Enroll in my online course, Driven, and gain access to the exact formula I've used to accomplish my goals, like write a book, increase revenue, lose 30 pounds, and record over 100 episodes of this podcast. Start experiencing the joy and satisfaction that comes with achieving your goals. That's go.optimized.zone. Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing bouncing back after disaster. My guest is Lisa R. Orr. She's the CEO of Roar Marketing, specialist in brand identity, marketing, and content management. Lisa, welcome to Money Heart. Hi, thanks, Camille. When we first started discussing this concept of bouncing back after disaster, you took me back to a time when your dad was actually laid off and you were still in high school. What was that like? It was very difficult. It was hard to see him. He was a very accomplished man um, at that point already and uh, very steady. And so it was very challenging to see him be subject to this kind of hostile takeover in the company. And it was during my senior year of high school. So that was already a time of a lot of change for me. And it was hard to see him go through that. And job searching was very different back then. There wasn't the internet accessibility that we now have. And so he would get newspapers and pour over them and just look and look and look. We lived in San Antonio at the time. And so um, it was just a really challenging time on top of another challenging time of change for me. Wow. Um, later, you said you told me you went through the layoff process yourself, not once, but three times. How, yes. how did that kind of go? And, and how did you feel the first time you had to go through that? Well, interestingly enough, my dad went through it three times in a row back then. Um, and wow. so when I hit it the first time, it was very scary for me because I had seen this in action and it was a true layoff. It wasn't, you know, at fault for him and it wasn't for me. Um, I was the marketing manager and public relations manager of a publishing company, um, part of a team of six, five of whom I had trained. And it was extremely tough. It kind of came out of nowhere. And um, I did not know quite what to think and what to do. It really caught me off guard. And because I was publicist, media had my information and they started calling me at home, wondering what was going on and why they couldn't reach me. Wow. And so that was a real opportunity to choose how I'm going to behave in this situation. Um, not my own doing. And, you know, I just referred them back to the company and said that they would need to talk to them. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to say anything inappropriate. That's just not how I was raised. 
but that was the first of three layoffs that I did go through. The second one, um, I'd actually moved to Dallas and I was working for Accenture there and 9-11 hit. And there was a tremendous amount of uncertainty for pretty much the entire U.S. workforce, you know, whether whether you were in the military or a civilian or anything like that. So sure. um, I was actually working at the global headquarters of Accenture at the time and um, in Las Colinas and it was a very pretty building and it was kind of, so they sent us home early cause they were like, well, if they come to Dallas or, you know, they try and target well-known buildings, you know, this William square is one of them. So, you know, and of course nobody was really getting anything done. Um, so that was the second one. And then the third one, I wound up moving back to Tulsa um, and had a job. And it was a situation where <laughs> the, the gentlemen who were running the company were brothers. And one was president, one was vice president, but they didn't act like that. They both acted like they were both presidents. And so it was really hard to know how to navigate. Who do I listen to in the situation? Okay, well, person A told me to do this and now person B is telling me something else. So it was really tough and I stuck it out and, you know, that wound up being that third layoff. And so I was really just reeling and walking through the situation, seeing my dad go through it many, many years before, and then walking through it myself, I realized, you know, I really someday want to have my own business. I, I want to be able to invest in myself and make those choices and those decisions and, you know, bet on me, so to speak, and, you know, return back to my great love, which is marketing. I love doing content management and representing my clients and helping them see themselves in a new light through their, through my brand identity process. So that's kind of my extra special thing that I do, you know, my benchmark is my brand identity process, which I came up with on my own and created. So, you know, being resilient, I think is very critical. And um, my family's from Texas originally. So I'm more of a let's pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of girl. And we'll just keep going and figuring it out as we move forward. You know, if, if it's, an unpredictable environment or situation. When you decided to make the switch from being an employee and going to being an entrepreneur after all these layoffs and you're like, okay, this employee thing's not working out. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, were you at all concerned about that regular paycheck? How did you make that work? Cause I think that's a big thing for a lot of people. Did you do part-time stuff? Did you have enough saved to make a go of it or? Yeah. Um, so after that, those three layoffs, I wound up back in corporate America and worked for um, a pretty prestigious company here in Tulsa. And I worked for almost 12 years, you know, in this Fortune 500 company in IT. And I didn't write or develop code, but I was in change management, which is a very specific field in that. And so I worked with people who were very analytical and um, uh, methodical in their approach, which was great for that. But I knew I needed to be back in the creative field. And so, but the timing of it all, once again, it kind of hit me out of the blue. And so I just jumped. 
I jumped and did it in a very atypical way, just because of my own particular situation and what I was dealing with. And so, you know, um, one of the things that I really learned at that time and tried to embrace was snatching the silver lining. It's like, so help me God, no matter what situation is, I'm going to snatch that silver lining up out of that. And I'm going to turn, you know, and with the Lord's help, I'm going to turn something good out of this and make the best of it. So um, it was that. And then, you know, after I started getting into Roar Marketing, my business, then um, I realized, you know, that I really had an opportunity to help people with their brand identity and really help them focus on what they had to offer. And part of that process for me is to lead them through is to help them see where they're at and where they want to be. And, you know, the difference between those two places. So, um, you know, taking a strong account of where they're at now and where they want to be. Is that something you did in your process as well of going, okay, here's where we are. I don't love yeah. where we are. Where is it I want to be? Absolutely, it is. And, you know, I think it's really important to a lot of business owners start with, okay, I'm going to start my business and I'm going to do ready, aim, fire. But what really happens is that they're ready, sort of. <laughs> and maybe an opportunity comes along and they're like, oh no, I don't want to lose out on this. I don't have everything squared away yet, but I don't want to lose out this opportunity. So it's ready, fire, aim. Oh crap. Okay. Well, all right, now I'll get it in line. And then they start on the path of their business and they don't maybe really have an opportunity to do that hard look and, or they may not have that strategic partner who could come in and help them navigate those waters. So, you know, focusing on brand identity is a lot of fun for me. Um, I take it very seriously, but it's something that really energizes me to help my clients and stuff. So when I was building Roar Marketing, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about, and, you know, I, I'm a person of faith, so I prayed about it and prayed for the name. And my last name is Orr. You could probably see the banner behind me. Um, and then the R was for Richardson, which was my maiden name. And so when I got married, I kept Richardson as a second middle name. And so it's still part of my name. And I was praying and all of a sudden down came Roar Marketing. And I saw the lion, I saw the logo, I saw it all. So that was the beginning of, that was really the foundational piece of my brand identity and, you know, everything filled up out of that, you know. So, you know, I like to operate in a resonant way. So when I take my clients through the brand identity process, I want to know, you know, what resonates inside of you as we talk about these things that you have to offer what resonates inside of you and then also what is relevant to your market and what is relevant to the marketplace and the ups and downs in the world in america um in your city you know what are we facing and you know sometimes we're in times of a lot of challenge and great difficulty and so we have to figure out how we're going to navigate through that and having a strong focus on who you are and where you want to be and where you're at right now to, you know, really helps to kind of smooth that out a little bit so that you can present yourself and your services or products to your customers. 
Right, and that, that's an excellent point that if you haven't figured out how you want to present yourself and what you're going to show to your customers, then no one will be interested in working with you because they won't really yeah. have a clear, authentic view of who you are, what you're doing, <laughs> what you're providing, what services you have, that kind of thing. So yeah, always right. really, really good to think about that. Um, I know you kind of mentioned to me that your value shifted a little bit as you went through these, um, I think you call them defining moments. And you know, not your, not your values like your faith and things, but your values in terms of what you realized was actually important to you. Can you kind of share that a little bit as far as how you shifted from that employee sort of giving your time <laughs> to someone else's cause versus entrepreneur and where that, where that change took you? Yeah, you know, um, being an employee for a big Fortune 500 company is one way of operating, and then being an entrepreneur is a completely different way of operating. Um, and so, you know, you go from a position of, I'm going to get paid every week or two weeks or, you know, whatever the situation is, or maybe if you um, are a consultant even, and, you know, you have a contract, you know, you're going to get paid for a certain amount of time. When you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, it all rests on you. And so um, you have to take a lot of ownership. I mean, ultimately the buck stops with you for better or worse. And you have to figure things out as you go along. Entrepreneurs also have to wear, especially when they're starting up, they have to wear a lot of different hats. I notice you have a hat on today, Camille. Sure do. Yay! <laughs> and um, so, you know, you kind of go through and you figure out, okay, here's my accounting role and navigating that, you know, okay, here's my marketing piece. And oh my gosh, I don't know what on earth to do. And I don't know how to represent myself. Then that's where you, it's helpful to be able to call in the experts who can help you navigate that. Um, I know it's like one of the top productivity principles is to focus 80% of your time on your top 20% what you're good at, you know, and how do you focus on that and then navigate the waters of all the other things you might have to do? Can you delegate those things? Can you, um, focus your most productive time, whether that's the morning or the afternoon or the evenings or whatever that time is on the things that are most critical to your business and most central to your business. Um, you know, I think you also have to look at networking becomes really important and whether that's in person or online, um, networking is really critical to build those relationships. And building relationships as an entrepreneur also helps to prevent you from, especially if you're a solopreneur, from getting lonely. You know, depending on the kind of work that you do, you might be interacting with clients and that's the nature of the work that you do. Or you might be working at home in your office or in an offsite office of your own, but not with people. And it's still important to keep community around us and to have those relationships that strengthen us and build us up and, you know, or maybe a release valve, you know, if that's what you need, you know, to navigate the water. So you have to find who those people are in your world. And that is really critical to do. When yeah, I talk to my clients, I'm sorry, go ahead. That, that's super insightful of you in that 
when you become an entrepreneur, you lose that office community that you had. I remember mm -hmm. when I had various jobs, you know, we'd all eat lunch together. So every day there was a little bit of downtime because even if it was only 30 minutes that we we're actually sitting around the table eating our, you know, frozen lean cuisine or whatever it was, we're all, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we're all hanging out together. So uh -huh. it, was, it was that community feeling. And when I shifted to being on my own, then I lost that. And it was something I didn't know I had lost until I sort of joined up with the company where I am now and they have a really good support system. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I needed a support system. I didn't realize I needed people <laughs> to help me or bounce ideas off of or ask questions to or just call when I have a bad day. That, yeah. that is super important to find somewhere and networking is an excellent way to do it. I think when a lot of us step out, we're going, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to see those people anymore. And then <laughs> a few months or years or however long down the road, we go, oh, it'd really be nice if there were some people around here someplace. So yeah, yeah. thank you for, for pointing that out. Really, really good info. One thing that I also want to came to mind that I think is worth mentioning is, you know, one of the big lessons I learned from my dad when I was very young and doing those summer jobs as a receptionist and things like that is no matter what happens, never burn your bridges. Don't burn your bridges because you never know when that relationship might be something where, you know, it could be something where you're benefiting the other person, you know, maybe they might need you or maybe you'll need them or maybe both, you know? And so he set a very good example and, even through those layoffs. And when you go through a layoff or heaven forbid you get fired or something, you know, I mean, you have a great opportunity right there to show your best colors and, you know, you want those to be your true colors. And, and I'm not saying to be false, but it's a really important to make sure that you just keep those relationships as amiable as possible, you know, and, and uh, because time, smooths things out the things that used to make you nuts over time they become meh it's not such a big deal you know i don't have to deal with it anymore so you know or you might find out something more about that person's situation and what they're dealing with right. and like oh my gosh that's why they behave this way or that way you know and so yeah. you know time can create a cushion and also some clarity sometimes you just never know which way it's going to happen but yes. absolutely true really Absolutely true that uh, I, I remember working with someone that I just, I didn't think she was that great when I worked with her until later we happened to cross paths again and realized that, oh, she's pretty amazing. That job was just stressing her out like crazy. And so she was under all this pressure and, and didn't, wasn't happy. Uh, so when we crossed paths again, it's like, oh, wow, she's really a different person. It was just the stress. Um, and fabulous point about not burning your bridges because all of the success in being an entrepreneur is creating relationships with people Absolutely. and having those introductions or referrals or however you want to, to describe them. Feel like you can have a hundred great experiences and the moment that somebody says or you know has one negative experience with you, next thing you know, that's the one everybody remembers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Um, 
before we go, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about something that's happened really recently for you, uh, since we're on this concept of bouncing back from disaster. And so since from the time that we had our initial conversation up through now, just this week, your parents had kind of an unusual and intense experience. Would you be willing to clue us in as far as what's going on there? And maybe we can chat a little bit about how that's changed your views and their views on some things. Sure. Um, so my parents had been in um, this house for about 20 years. And Saturday night or at midnight, a little after midnight, there was a freak we had a bad storm here and no tornadoes or anything like that, but there were winds and, you know, intermittent periods of very intense storm. Anyway, uh, my dad was home. My mom was out of town visiting a friend, but in a freak situation, they had a huge microburst come down and uproot a gigantic, a gigantic oak tree in the back of their house. I mean, like the root, was fully out. It was probably that root ball when it was turned upside. It was about over five feet tall. And I mean, I was just shocked at the enormity of it all. And so anyway, it fell over onto their house, crashed down, broke through the ceiling, through the roof, through the ceiling, and sprayed the house with a lot of insulation and a lot of other things. And it was so big that um, the tree experts had to come in from the insurance company. They had to come in and use a gigantic crane to start lifting that up off the roof. So then the um, assessor or appraiser guy could come in and take a look at what happened. My dad was home and he was maybe 12 feet away from where it came into the house upstairs. Wow. Wow. And um, my mom, thankfully, was not home because the other part where one of the other parts of the branch sprouted off was in that room. And um, she could have very easily been hit, been trapped, been injured, or even, heaven forbid, killed in a really awful way. Um, and so... You know, um, as my husband, Brooke, and I have walked through this time with him and, and seen what is happening, it's kind of really made me refocus on getting things set up to protect ourselves and our financial future um, and our home and different things. And, you know, so that's something that we're really looking at. And, you know, when these storms come, you got to be resilient and you have to be ready to go with what you need to move through to the next phase, whether that's, okay, our house is demolished, we're going to have to move to a completely different house, um, or we're going to go through massive repairs and months and months of hassle, and how do we handle that? Um, I'm just grateful they weren't injured. That is amazing. Right. And um, they're safe and sound and, you know, staying in a hotel for a while probably until this all gets sorted out and it's massive. So, um, you know, it, it's a really good reminder to cherish the people that you love and also don't waste time. Don't waste time doing something that you hate. If you can at all work it around or make a plan to move into doing something that you really love, even if it's work, it still gives you energy and joy. Um, you know, doing what I do with a brand identity is work writing copy for 
award-winning books is work. Writing um, content for websites is work, but I enjoy it. And I really like helping people tell their story. And that's what brand identity is all about for me. So, um, you know, as we go through and move through our own individual professional or personal story, we have to be resilient. We need to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C and D and the, oh crap, okay, now we're moved all the way to plan H and here's that, you know, so um, just kind of be resilient and um, gracious to the people in your life when things aren't crazy because you might need them when they are. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> when somebody else is going through their crazy, have some patience, be okay with it because when it's your turn, then you're going to really hope that they're patient and caring with you. I think that's yeah. excellent. We advice. sow those good seeds. <laughs> that's right. So the good seeds. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been an honor to chat with you, Camille. Thank you as well to all of our listeners and viewers. If you would like to get in contact with Lisa, she does a 30-minute brand identity mini consultation. You can give her a call at 918-960-7121 or reach her through her website, Roar Marketing. That's R-O-R-R marketing.com. I'm your host, Camille Diaz. This show is sponsored by Serenity Financial, a Five Rings financial agency specializing in financial education, living benefits, and guaranteed lifetime income. Lisa, would you like to share today's money mantra? Absolutely. My money mantra is, I know who I am and my brand identity is strong. I bring great value to those I meet. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's been about three months since we recorded, so I called Lisa yesterday and asked to get an update on her parents. They spent about two months in the hotel. Now they've moved to a condo near their house. Their insurance is covering all of the damage repair from the tree crashing through the house, the insulation everywhere, uh, the roof damage, the moisture damage, all of it. They've also approved covering the cost of the condo where they're staying through the end of the year, so they're actually doing okay. Uh, the company was able to send in crews to retrieve important files and other things from the house so her parents could keep their lives running. They're now considering if they're actually going to move back into the big house when repairs are completed or if they'll continue downsizing and move to a place without stairs and maybe a little less maintenance. This is something they talked about before, but we're kind of reluctant to do. There's still a lot in transition, but they are definitely going to bounce back.